from Relay FM. This is the Pen Addict, episode 473. And today's show is brought to you by Harry's and Hello. I'm your host, Brad, and I'm joined by the one and only Nib Doctor herself, Audrey Madison. How are you doing today, Audrey? Oh, wow. That was so professional. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to talk to you. And yeah, I tried to make this intro professional because Mike makes it sound so easy every time. Like he doesn't even have to write this down. I'm like writing things down and making mistakes and like redoing it and things like that because I normally, let's be honest, Audrey, I don't care about the intro. I just want to talk to you. But Mike's a professional podcaster, and he has to do those things. Yeah. I mean, one one person has to be the real professional, and the other person just fly by the seat of their pants, and that's you and me. You yes. Know? <laughs> that is definitely our job. So I'm interested to see what kind of flying by the seats of our pants oh, we, we get into. And, and we're, we're going to start that process right out the gate with nail blogging. So I, I can't yeah. remember exactly when we first met. Um, it's been a good bit. I was trying to think of that. I think we've talked about, we've never figured out the exact, well, mm-hmm. I mean, it could have just been one of the Atlanta shows. Yeah, it was probably just randomly. Yeah. Yeah, who I, knows? I think who knows? so. And yeah. at, at that time, um, you were mostly hanging out with your husband, which a lot of people will know as Mr. Independence, Mike Madison. Yes, yeah, so the other Mike, so there's going to be Mike and Mike, Oof. my Mike and, the, uh, and your Mike, so... <laughs> It could, it could, uh, some issues could arise. So just warning everyone, just try and think about the right mic. Imagine having Mike, my mic, and Mike, your mic on the same show with me. You can say Mike with Mike Y. I know. And then that's, again, that's too, that's a mouthful though. (laughs) So yeah, I was trying to think when we first met and I couldn't nail it down, but ooh, that was a pun. I didn't even mean it. But at the time... (laughs) At the time, like, you know, you were into the fountain pen thing and, you know, yeah. dabbling a little bit. But you were mm-hmm. you were then and still are now, to the best of my knowledge, writing about nails and nail polish and essentially yeah. nail blogging. Can you tell me how that started and what it's all about? Yeah, I actually, I had to look back because I could not remember when I started blog nail blogging. And it was actually in 2009, Wow, is when that's I started. Awesome. That's a long. <laughs> I was like, "Wow, <laughs> these look terrible." Please do not go look at my blog and look at <laughs> editing the post from 2009 because those are terrible. It's it's all the camera. This the camera's got so much better. I I promise. It's just that, not me. Um. Yeah. So what ended up happening is when I was growing up, I liked nails and everything, and I did my nails in high school and stuff, but nothing you know that would warrant having a nail blog or anything like that. But I was actually in graduate school in 2009, and it was a couple years after my Mike and I got married, and he had actually started to uh, a position here in North Carolina. So he moved to North Carolina while I was finishing up my PhD in Knoxville. So we lived apart, and we got married like a year and a half beforehand. So it was we were newly mm. married. He moved into North Carolina. I was still in North Carolina, or I was still in Tennessee, and I sort of was bored. And mm. <laughs> I mean, graduate school is very stressful. It's very hard, and I just wanted to have something that was sort of my time and something that I could do for myself and uh, something I'd enjoyed. And I just started, you know, painting my nails, and it was sort of a therapeutic, 
you know, time for myself. And I was like, well, maybe somebody would like to see, you know, what this would look like. And they can decide if they want, you know, if this thing that they think would look good on them. So I started blogging in. So, yeah, it just started from there of just having something, some time for myself to just pamper and relax, I guess, in the evenings. Yeah, so the blog's called Right on the Nail and Instagram yep. Right on the Nail. I'll, I'll I'll have all the this linked in the show the notes. Links, yeah, because everyone has to go see this. Like legit, <laughs> I'm not even joking. I love looking at all your pictures. Are you serious? I'm oh. dead serious. It's so cool. So like, what is? I don't even know what the what the question would be. Like, what's yep. what's the best part about nail blogging, or is it just like trying new colors and seeing what works the best? Like, what are the things that you enjoy about it besides like obviously you're getting like some personal enjoyment from doing that, it, sharing yeah, it. For like, sure. but like technically, like what is what's the 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 stuff you're looking for? So when I first started, there were just you know sp- specific brands, and they were pretty simple. The colors, th- there are. There are so many blues that you can have, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it's it does get a little stale, but the good thing that happened was that um independent, you know, makers started coming out basically taking their own nail polish base and coming up with way different and exciting different formulas that they sold on their own. So different glitters, the ones I'm wearing today have magnetic particles in them. So what? you can see different colors. Yeah, so you have designs in them. And there is nail art that can go into it as well. And different flakes and glitters that you're and shimmers that you're not going to see in the mainstream brands. These independent makers are coming up with these wild and exciting polishes that a lot of people who just go to the you know drugstore and look at nail polish would never imagine actually existed. So the first couple of years, it was more trying out some of the normal creams that you're going to see in the normal drugstore things. But then things just got wild around, I think it was probably around 2011 or so. Some of the newest brand or the indie brands started, you know, coming out and just it's gone crazy since then. And I really enjoy the creativity that's come from nail polish and it's basically it's similar to what you see now in ink brands the amount of smaller ink brands coming up with new and exciting things it's like that but a nail polish basically yeah so what i was gonna say if the listeners hadn't picked up on it yet this sounds familiar doesn't it like yeah (laughs) you just you swap the word nails for inks or pens and it's the same (laughs) conversation that we get to have shimmer about inks, this stuff. Different shimmer nail polish, you know? It's just the, <laughs> the new and exciting thing that you can come with different colors, you know? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's crazy how much overlap there is. Now, like, the the makeup space uh, is so much huger than than the fountain pen space. But yeah. Um, yeah. there's still this kind of niche market within it Ditch, where sure. you can be checking all these, these cool things out. So I, I got to ask you, is there an official nail polish hand pose and do you practice it? Every nail blogger sort of has their signature hand. You and you sort of it takes time to sort of find what works best for you have to be you can have a tripod and <laughs> just basically the way your lighting set up that's really important to have you know the right angle to see some of the nuances of certain nail polishes so not everyone has the same you know hand what's the word i'm looking for hand pose Mm. but for me 
it's sometimes really hard if there's a polished bottle that's a weird shape, then it just throws everything uh, off. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's the most difficult thing. But basically, it's whatever space that you have in to have the best hand pose is really it. But no, there's not one for everyone. So before we get into the stationary, one more, I, I still got to yeah. ask one more okay, question because yeah. I, I, our listeners want to know this. Like, what are do the they? brands? I don't know if they do. You're going to be they like, do. oh, tuning out. What are we talking about nail wash Okay. For? Okay. I want to know this. <laughs> yes. I don't care about anyone else. I want to know because <laughs> I think it's interesting. I, w- I want to know what brands mm-hmm. are doing cool stuff now. Like, what are the brands that are exciting for you? So in terms of the mainstream colors that you can probably find at stores there's one brand called zoya they are known for a cleaner formula you're not getting any of the really bad chemicals that way back in the day there were things if that were questionable in nail polish but you know they have things that are nice good colors good formula that you know is going to be you know quality every time OPI, while they don't have the most original colors sometimes, they are reliably good as well. I mean, there are some cheap ones, too. If you go to Walgreens or something like that, they have ones that are sinful colors. They're literally at most $2, and you can get them on sale for even cheaper. Never had a problem with those. But if you're going to get something that's really interesting, you're going to have to go into some of these independent makers like I was talking about. Uh, a lot of the times I actually purchase polishes from this thing. It's called Polish Pickup. And if you just Google Polish Pickup, it's one of those things that there's a bunch of makers that have an exclusive polish that they make once a month based on a set theme. So this next month is going to be the Earth Elements is going to be the theme. So they're going to sell a specific polish or a specific product only for four days and you purchase it all at one time and they get sent to you after three weeks. So basically there are exclusive polishes that you can only get for a certain amount of time and you can buy lots of different brands at one time for shipping that's only $3. And you can see a huge variety of these independent makers and the sale actually, this next one comes up this coming Friday. So if anyone wants to see (laughs) what I'm talking about and the variety of polishes that makers are are out there and you can see uh you can check that out on friday but that's where i get a lot of my polishes that i purchase for myself because the shipping is really cheap you can see the most interesting glitters and magnetics and things all in one place and it's really interesting this sounds so familiar. <laughs> there is yeah. so much similarities. It, it in, in really, this. it really is. And yeah. there are nail polish shows too. That's and cool. There was actually one just a few weeks ago in Nashville. Unfortunately, I didn't wasn't able to make it, but mm-hmm. they also have nail polish shows, just like we have pen shows. Yep. I might have to get you back on just to do like a, a specific nail deep dive because I've I've come up with more questions. Um, uh, <laughs> Are you going to start painting your nails? I, I'm not opposed to it for sure. Okay. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I have, okay. um, boy, we're really digressing here. I have good nails, but very weak nails, right? So oh, I need to. There's strengthening like, things that you can yeah. do to help give some sturdiness to the nail. I mean, that's the thing. Mike, my husband, he paints his toenails because yeah. he's not like going around like 
I mean, he doesn't leave the house very often anymore right. anyway, but he's like, eh, people don't really will say something if I wear them on my fingers, but if I have them on my toes, if I get something interesting in the mail, he'll go, yeah. this is going to go on my toes next. So yeah. I, I think that's really fun. A hundred percent. I'd be all about that for sure. For sure. All right. I, like I said, I could do like the rest of an hour uh, talking about this. Talking I have, about, so, I have I so many questions. But to bring it into the yes. something that the audience would enjoy, yes, I'm sure my my work at Frank and Christoph would probably more be more interesting to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're gonna get there. I gotta know yeah, how you yeah, even. Yeah. I gotta know how you even got to that point. Like, when did you start getting into pens or stationery? Like, did you care? Yeah. When did you start caring about the things that that you wrote with, or or did you ever like? Did this just come all kind of like a, a side no, thing? No, I was one of those kids growing up that. I loved pens, not fountain pens. And my my family wasn't really, I mean, I knew what they were and everything, but my parents didn't write with them or anything like that. But I loved stationery. I liked stickers. I liked having the gel pens with all the colors. I would have one of those pencil cases where it was just chock full of color pencils and pens, ballpoints, all of them. And a case. And I was never one of those people. I always had a pen on me if you know, I was not that person that, oh, do you have a pen I could borrow? No, they were asking me <laughs> to borrow a pen because I always had them. So that was, you know, and I always enjoy them. I would always go to Target or the store just to see if there's anything new out that it was interesting, new colors or anything. But then when I met my husband, Mike, he was the one who was more into fountain pens. And he had some from his grandparents. And that was, you know, that sort of there was something special that he had with his family yeah. that really got him into it. And so when we had a, we just started dabbling into it after we got married. And then when we moved to North Carolina after I graduated from graduate school, we were close to close-ish to Raleigh. And so there's the Triangle Pen Show in Raleigh. And we just had a few fountain pens that we had gotten, you know, cheap ones that we found and purchased online. But when we first started going to shows, we started to, you know, meet people in the community. Uh, we became friends with people like Lisa and Brian Anderson. And that's the thing. Going to a show, you get to learn so much that there's people that want to talk and have you learn about what they're interested in. And so really it was the people that go to shows that got us into it even more. Like the whole rabbit hole was, you know, done once we started going to the Triangle show, really. So I think that was, I'm trying to, we were trying to think. Mm. And it was probably 2010 or 2011 okay. is when we went to our first show. And then after we went to the Raleigh, actually, the Raleigh show is a really good show for a first show for somebody because it's not too busy and, you can really have time to talk to the vendors, which is great. So then after we enjoyed going there, we were like, you know, if there are any other ones that are close by that we could still go to. And then the next one was going to be D.C. And that was completely different. But he had um, family that lived in the area. So uh -huh. it was sort of like a nice long weekend and visited family and also went to the show. And that was just like you got to see international brands. You got to, you know, just pretty much purchased whatever you wanted that was out there. So that was always great too. So yeah, it was just something we were, I was always interested in and really getting to see things in person and meeting everyone that really got me into the community even more. 
yeah, our time frame I, is about the same. Like that, I think my I first think show so. was 2011 or 2012. You know, yeah. and I'd always been into pens, but I didn't really get into fountain pens till till later. Exactly, and, and there's just now. such <laughs> a richer history. Like, it's, yeah, in going to shows and really meeting those people that you know they just have such great stories and great ways of you know getting you interested in vintage pens and modern pens. So you mentioned learning, yeah, and. That's something uh, you you had taken to heart uh, previously. We're gonna get to your current. You're gonna get <laughs> yeah. to your, your current job. Yeah, you've mentioned yeah. you've mentioned grad school, and you uh, yes. tell everyone what you were studying, what you were doing, and you know what your your work life was like before uh, working for Frank and Christoph. Yes, yeah, so I got my PhD at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville, and uh, it was in microbiology. And so I was basically studying aquatic viruses mm. uh, that infected cyanobacteria, which are photosynthetic bacteria that lived in the oceans. And they're really important for, you know, oxygen production and carbon cycling in the oceans. So I studied how viruses impact all these nutrient cycles in the oceans, which might not sound that interesting, but it's really important for, <laughs> you know, all the things that are going on today, especially and so I got to go on lots of research cruises. I was one of the cruises I went on. When I say cruises, it's not like I'm going on a, you know, Norwegian <laughs> not, cruise lines not, or anything. You're not calling up room service? No, very much not that at all. It's it's a research boat and it was this largish catamaran basically is that oh, I was wow. out in the middle. Of, yeah. And it started in Hawaii and it ended up in um, Australia, Brisbane. And so I was out there for over seven weeks. We didn't wow. have, we, there was one computer that had internet. And so one time a day you could spend a little bit time of emailing, but otherwise there's no phone, but they had cooks on there. So mm. I ate awesome. Like, these research cruises, you want to have a crew that is happily fed is what they said. So <laughs> I ate very well out there. But yeah, it was one of those things that was the whole time. Sometimes we do overnight um, research. So I would be up for 24 hours just constantly collecting samples and things. And so after, yeah, I finished my PhD around... I think it was around 2010, and so that's when I – well, actually, I moved to North Carolina, and I finished up my writing of the thesis and then graduated. And then after that, I was looking for a job in North Carolina because, again, Mike had already had his job here in North Carolina, and I, we, his job would be harder to find a new position than I would. So I actually got a job at NC State University in Raleigh. So I was commuting every day to Raleigh and back, and I was basically running a lab in soil science. Mm. So I was looking at arsenic problems in Southeast Asia and naturally occurring arsenic that got in the drinking water that was slowly poisoning millions of people, unfortunately, in Southeast Asia. So um, I did that for five years, and taught lots of undergraduates and graduate students making sure they didn't burn the labs down basically and wrote <laughs> papers and things like that. And then it just so happened. So during this time, the time period, I was still going to pen shows and everything, obviously. Mm -hmm, so I was still mm -hmm. getting to know everybody in the community and just um, building up those relationships with people. 
And the fifth year that I was there, it just so happened that my job with the PI I was working with, he was actually going to be moving the lab to Oregon. And I was not planning on moving to Oregon by any means. So it just so happened that I probably could have moved to a different lab, but my position was going to be officially moving to Oregon. And that was the time that Scott at Franklin Gristoff was looking to add somebody to the team at FC. And so he was like, well, you know, are you interested? And we are looking for someone. And so it was one of those things that I liked science, but at the same time, it was very stressful and a lot of hours and everything. And I really enjoy, I mean, pens and nail polish, they were my hobbies and everything. But I was like, well, I could have my hobby be my job too. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, that seemed really like a nice thing, you know, to have and, and it was a hard decision, but I, you know, I did. I decided that I was going to jump over and try and at work in Frank and Christoph. So I started in 2016, August 13th. So my five-year anniversary nice. is coming up in just a couple weeks here. Yeah, so it went from there. It just happened to be the right timing. Yeah, so I, I want to dig in into that a little bit more because I... I I, there's even a, a lot more to talk about that transition, I think, into yeah. like what you started with into to what you're doing now. But first, I want to take a quick break, talk about our good friends at Harry's. So this episode mm -hmm. of Pen Addict is brought to you by Harry's. You shouldn't have to choose between a great shave and a fair price. Now that you can actually enjoy being outside this summer, a clean-shaven look is sounding more appealing. It, it, it does keep me cooler that way. Uh, yeah. that's, where, that's where our friends at Harry's come in. I'm a Harry's fan, and apparently, Audrey, you have used Harry's products in the past, or you currently use Harry's products? I have definitely used Harry's, and yeah. It's one of those things that, as women, we pay that high pink tax of mm. paying extra just to have a pink handle or whatnot, but I, I was looking for an alternative because I wasn't wanting to pay those prices, so I definitely tried Harry's, because, and I enjoyed and use them for a long time, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's what that's what Harry's does. It's it's a great product, great price, and it it just works. And I'm actually yeah. amazed how how it works. So our listeners, Harry's is offering you their starter set at Harry's.com slash pen addict. Harry's delivers a close, comfortable shave at a fair price. It's still as low as two dollars per refill, and they're designed to stay sharp. A recent study found people who shave four times a week said their eighth shave was as smooth as their first, and I can confirm that. Harry's believes in no gimmicks or unnecessary features. Their design team combined a weighted ergonomic handle with their German-engineered blade cartridge. It's a smart, simple razor designed for delivering a close shave along all contours of your face. Harry's also believes in fair prices. Owning their means of production and using only the most crucial features allows them to keep prices as low as $2 per refill. And Harry stands behind the quality of their blades so much that they have a 100% money-back guarantee on harrys.com. Harry's is giving their best offer to us, the Panatic listeners. New Harry's customers can get a starter set. You get a five-blade razor, a weighted handle, foaming shave gel with aloe, and a travel cover to protect your blades when you're on the go. That's a $13 value for just $3. There's truly never been a better time to try Harry's. Go to harrys.com slash penaddict to redeem your offer today. Our thanks to Harry's for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right. So you yeah. decided, I, I I can't imagine what that decision was like because you put, you know, a lot of your life into studying, you know, exactly. for your field. 
years, and, many years, yeah. Yeah. And so you de- you decide to make the jump. Um mm-hmm. you know the op- the the planets aligned essentially, right? Yeah. Um you've been in the hobby, the fountain pen hobby for a little while. Your job was essentially moving away and you weren't going with it and uh, being eliminated for all yeah. intents and purposes for yeah. for your for you. So what was what was Scott's proposal for you to to come to Franklin Christoph? What was the intention for for your work? What was what were you going to be doing? In the beginning, it was not nibs at all because I, Jim Rouse was mm-hmm. the person who was doing nibs. Um, well, he was doing the tuning. We had Mike Masayama who was doing the italic and stub grinds for us at that time, and so he. He when I started, he did have the SIGs, but I think they were just coming out new. Mm-hmm. So he was doing mostly tuning, but also was starting to make some of the SIGs as well. So when I started, I was just gonna be doing mostly doing the thing is it's a very small company still. Mm-hmm. So we all wear lots of hats. You know, it's not like any person does just one thing. We all step in and do different aspects depending on what's needed at the time you know but for essentially essentially i was going to be doing shipping for mm-hmm. the first you know few years i did so i did shipping there's qc and lots of other things again that we all do but over time i worked very closely with jim and basically our our seats where he was doing nibs and where i was doing shipping were we were together all the time, basically. <laughs> so I got to know Jim. He had a very good personality and sense of humor. If any of you knew Jim, he was a delight to be around. And he always wanted, if you wanted to learn, he wanted to give you all of his expertise, and no matter what it is. And I was always receptive to learning nibs. Just in my background in science, I just like to know how things work, you know. And mm-hmm. I was always interested in that. And so he would show me whenever we had extra time. It wasn't, it wasn't all day, every day that I was learning nibs. It was as we had time or if something, a special case comes up that was interesting, like, oh, take a look at this nib and this is, ha- you know, happens or I just made this and this is how I did it happened slowly over time. So it was just sort of an organic thing that happened because we were both receptive to me wanting to learn. So yeah, it was one of those things that uh, Scott knew that I was you know, learning in my own time and he was fine with that and everything. But it wasn't one of those things that Oh, Audrey's gonna, you know, start doing nibs at the next show, sort of thing. But it would just slowly over time became that as we got more busy at pen shows, just having Jim there was sometimes not enough because we get so backed up and he didn't want people waiting, you know, to pick up their pen for like an hour. You know, we wanted to try and move things along faster. So a couple of the shows I did work and helped, you know, work on some nibs. But unfortunately, uh, in July of, what was it, 2018, yeah, I, I think? think three years he, ago. Yeah, I think three Yeah, years. so unfortunately, um, Jim suddenly passed away. So that sort of obviously threw a wrench into everything. We had no idea that would happen. And we were devastated, of course. I was I was devastated. He was such a, he was such a good friend to me. And um, basically... It was sort of a natural thing that I was going to, you know, take over the nib station because Jim had taught me so much. Mm-hmm. And so it was one of those things that 
I I was not prepared to do. I was prepared because Jim had you know taught me so much, but under the circumstances, I just felt so terrible. And you know, am I good enough to do this? But Jim had prepared me. But yeah, so that's sort of how I got into you know, nibs. Is basically yeah. Unfortunately, untimely passing of my good friend. Right, right, and uh, we all, everyone in the community, love Jim. And, oh, at, uh, that's he's the like thing. And the best. He really was, and the fact that people still talk about him at shows makes me so happy because it really keeps his, you know, the legend of Jim alive. And yeah. he, t- to this day, will always tell stories about Jim <laughs> yeah. and FC. We like Jim would have said this, and we just laugh. So. Yeah. So, and I, I didn't think about it this way. Like you were working with Jim. So my yeah. ex- Franklin Christoph experience, I would, yeah. you know, I used to buy pens from you when mm-hmm. you you were working behind the table and helping, yeah. you know, helping customers pick out a pen. Then you moved to the seat next to Jim. Yeah. And, you know, because Frank, like you, you mentioned, and I was going to mention it too, Franklin Christoph's growth has been, it's, it's noticeable, right? So. Yeah. We've, we've been very fortunate. Yeah. We've been. <laughs> The community has been very great to us, and and it's from people like Jim and his dedication to the company that really helped build it. Yeah, yeah. So like when you go to a pin show and you see Jim, he's just getting crushed. Like before you were sitting there, like I, you would yeah. never see Jim outside of that room just because there was too much work. Yeah, exactly. And and, and so eventually, like you moved from you know helping helping sell the pins to actually. Yeah. In the workflow, because what Franklin Christoph yeah. does when you make a purchase is they will, at a pen show, they will personally sit with you and tune your pen and make sure you're happy exactly. with the nib and the purchase. Yeah. Like, it's a huge, huge part of the experience, and it's one of the reasons why people love Franklin Christoph so much. We want that nib to be your workhorse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But then, like, you know, the gym passes, and, yeah. like, I don't want to make it, you know into a weird thing but i didn't think about like that had to be pressure for you to sit in that seat the the next time it was and i it was more pressure for myself of wanting to do as good as possible because i want you know jim to be proud of me and i want to you know help the company and be good and it was that pressure but it was more self-imposed than anything just just Mm -hmm. how i am Mm -hmm. so but Luckily, it wasn't the transition really, I think, went seamlessly. And it wasn't, you know, it's not like all of a sudden we had any issues with anything or no, it actually went just fine because, again, I was prepared by Jim and and he was so helpful. And I don't want you to sell yourself short. It's pretty clear you're really damn good at what you do. So that's just how I am. So I am always self-deprecating that's just <laughs> in my nature so, <laughs> so i'd there, rather compliment somebody else than myself <laughs> yeah there's a reason it worked and the reason is you right and taking the reins and learning what you can because you want to be good at what you do you want to i can just tell by 100%. the way you're talking you want you want scott your boss to be happy with you know, the work yep. you want the customers to just be blown away and like that kind exactly. of stuff shows, right? That to me, is the like, most I can, important, yes. Yeah. So, what did the process become like when you made like, I don't want to say like the full time cutover to doing this, but it's essentially, mm-hmm. right? You, you are the nib doctor now for Franklin Christoph. Like, mm-hmm. yep. that's what you're known for. That's what you do. You may have other yep. tasks and things, but like, sure. literally, yeah. you're working on the nibs all day, every day all in the day. shop yep. or. Mm-hmm. 
on show show day, you know, you're yep. you're in the chair and you're in the queue now. And um yeah. tell me tell me what that kind of full time transition into just uh uh I, I hate that I'm gonna do this into the grind. Um what is that been like? <laughs> Sorry, I had to do it. Well, it's it's actually it's not too difficult. I mean, I what I do every day, a lot of people are like, so what do you do at FC? Like, so really it depends on the day, but for the most part, I come in and there's a lot of orders that, you know, come in from overnight. So those are pulled and I work on all the nibs and tune all of them. And once that's finished up, orders are still coming in. So we work on those. And that's one of the things we always pride on is not letting people sit and wait for their pen for days. So we try and get things out as soon as possible and work on them as soon as orders come in. So you're not, we try to be as close to Amazon as possible, but we can't be quite there yet. But you probably will get in a, a shipping confirmation pretty soon after. And after we do that, I start working on tuning nibs for pen shows or I have lots of signature cards that I have to do, which seems like not a big deal, but when I sign my name so many times in a day, it's pretty crazy when I have to, <laughs> you know, do that for things. So, and it's pretty funny. People often email in and ask me what ink and pen I was using to sign the cards with. So I actually keep, uh, you know, a currently inked thing with all the inks that I'm using because people actually come back and ask me what I was using at that time. Well, I'm definitely going to ask you. So, <laughs> oh, well, yeah. So, um, and so after that, I start grinding nibs mm -hmm. and keep working on orders. And once it's around pen show time, there's lots of other things that come into it, you know, that you have to think about. Do we have enough of this? Do we have enough of that? Weeks and uh, weeks ahead of time, because if we don't, then we it can take, especially with COVID and things coming I in, everything's sort of backlogged. You have to think even more weeks ahead of time just to make sure we have everything that we do. And then... Once the Signibs started getting more popular, I started working from home on Fridays because I just, by having orders and other things in the shop to do, it wasn't allowing me enough time to solely work on nibs. And so I was trying to have enough, you know, to sell. So I would start doing, and I have an hour commute every day. So okay. to work and from work, I have an hour commute. So that's, that's a big portion of my day i yeah. have to i have a lot of radio i listen to on satellite <laughs> radio it's very important and good music yeah and so then it got to be even more popular so now i sometimes work from home on thursdays and on fridays to make sure especially around now when we have um the dc pen show coming up or for it's around a pen show time i'll try and work from home as much as i can to make as many nibs as i can so that's the other thing i have can you explain the Signib for someone, some of our listeners who may not know what it offers? It's so, it's hard to describe. If I have hand motions, it's too bad we don't have a live stream. <laughs> if people can see me when I can describe, it's so much easier. She's waving her hands violently. I, I am. You have no idea. I'm sitting here going, okay. So basically the Signib is in between, it stands for stub italic gradient. And so basically it's going to give you some of the characteristics of an italic, but with this more smoothness that you're going to get for a stub. So it's sort of that in between. So the top portion, I grind down 
towards, basically at a chisel at an angle. So that's more like an italic. And on the bottom, I smooth it down just like a stub is on the bottom. So it comes to a point. And depending on your angle of writing more vertically or some more shallow, you're going to get, you know, different characteristics. If you sit up higher on the nib, it's going to come to that point more. So it's going to feel a little bit more italic. You're going to have more line variation, a little more crisp line. But if you're a little more of a shallow angle, it's going to be more stub-like because it's not sitting at that top angle that is, you know, indented down a little bit more. Does that make any sense at all? It makes 100% uh, Are you sense. sure? It does. It does. So, you know, our listeners are are used to like they have the stub nib and they have a talic nib. And this yeah. isn't it's not as simple as saying like it's a combination of the two. It's a little bit different than that. It is. Exactly. It's it's not it's I I mean, I can make them in my sleep now because I've been doing so many <laughs> of them, but it's actually very angle dependent as mm-hmm. well. So it is it is a little bit more difficult than some. Yeah. So like our listeners who know my handwriting style, it's very uh, block print style. This yeah. nib mm-hmm. is just perfect for me. Like it's one of the types of nibs for my handwriting that just makes it really, really shine because my I can yeah. make my lines clean and sharp, but I'm also yeah. not like frustrated, like digging into the page and it, it just exactly. suits my yeah. hand very, very, very well. And I, I have several of them. Uh, that I move around to different pens. It's more of an everyday writer than an italic. Mm-hmm. So you get, I s- visually see more line variation in the SIG, but it feels more like a stub, if that makes sense. Yep, totally. So that's the way I see it, and that's what a lot of people describe it to me. And yeah, it's just one that you, it feels nice and smooth, but you get a nice amount of line variation. Yep, yep. All right, so you mentioned pen shows. We got the DC pen show coming oh, up yes. very soon. I want to talk about very. that. I want to talk about our second sponsor this episode real quick. It's our friends at Hello. This episode of the Pen Attic is brought to you by Hello. Hello make incredibly comfortable buckwheat pillows. I don't know if you've ever hmm. tried a buckwheat pillow, but it's, it's pretty different to your regular fluffy pillows. It supports your head and neck and doesn't collapse under the weight of your head like traditional pillows. Hello stays cool and dry compared to feather or foam pillows. Plus, buckwheat tends to breathe better, meaning it doesn't get all warm and humid. So, no more flipping to the cool side of the pillow. It's always cool. And you can add or remove filling to suit your needs so your pillow can be just the way you like it. Turns out, people have actually been sleeping on buckwheat pillows for years. They're popular in Japan, and apparently, they also appear on pillow menus at fancy hotels. I, I'm not clearly, I'm not standing at the right fancy hotels. <laughs> right. <Audrey. Same. laughs> I'm going to need one of those pillow Same. menus because I'm a Hollow yeah. fan. I've been using mine for, I don't know, maybe a couple of years now. And it's fantastic. My favorite feature is the stay coolness of the pillow. Because yeah. living in the South, it's hot. We have air conditioning. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it does <laughs> it, not at all. It is so hot, so humid, and and I'm a hot sleeper. And having Same. that hot yeah. pillow just flip and flip and flip all night, just flipping. It's like, I, I can stop. Hello, you don't have to do that. It stays. I, I This is the, the one thing that I was like, okay, let's see if this is true. It's actually true. So, yeah, yep. I, I very much love it for that. So, it's fantastic. Uh, Hello is made in the USA with quality construction and materials. The certified organic cotton case is cut and sewn for durability. The buckwheat is grown and milled in the United States. 
All right, here's the deal. You're probably curious to try one of these things by now, and you can. Sleep on it for 60 nights, and then if Hullo isn't for you, you just send it back for a refund. Head to hullopillow.com slash penaddict right now to get your own buckwheat pillow. That's hullopillow.com slash penaddict, and if you buy more than one, they have a special discount for up to $20 off depending on which size you opt for. They have fast free shipping with every order, and 1% of all profits are donated to the Nature Conservancy. Give it a try. If you love it, keep it. If you don't, just send it back. Head to hellopillow.com slash penatic now. Our thanks to Hello for their support of this show and Relay FM and the support of my head when I sleep. So I appreciate them. <laughs> I love having the ability to try a pillow at home and returning if it doesn't work. Yeah. That is just such, I mean, Are you a pillow snob? Are you a pillow? Like I, the, the pillow's got to be right for you? It does. I'm yeah. a side sleeper and- mm-hmm. I need to have something that's has a nice loft to keep my head and the neck in the right position mm-hmm. without being too hard and that fine meat and not have it not get if you have a memory foam, it sort of gets warm and compresses out. And if it's um sometimes if you get feather ones, they get too flat. There's yeah, it's very I've gone through several <laughs> pillows, that's for sure. Yeah. Pillows are... But having ones where you can open and take some out or add more filling yeah. is where it's at for me. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. All right. So we got DC coming up. Yes. And we, like yeah. us in the in the pen biz, we just call it DC. Like that yep. brings up all kinds of thoughts. It's yep. it's the it's the big one. And has Franklin Kristoff been to any shows in the previous months now that shows are kind of opening back up since, you know... Um, you know, COVID, COVID's still yeah. here. It's still an issue. <laughs> it's um, definitely. Shows are happening. So what's what's the Franklin Kristoff prep like for DC coming up? Yeah. So we went to Raleigh in June. Okay. So we have been. So it it was well enough attended. I mean, it wasn't, you know, I mean, Raleigh is always a little bit of a smaller show, mm-hmm. but it was well attended. attended and I wore my mask the whole weekend and mm-hmm. was fine. And there was people were, you know, minding spaces Good. and everything, but everyone wasn't on top of each other because that's just the type of show it is. I'm curious to see what DC is going to be like. Cause I mean, it sounds like it's going to be busy based on the, you know, some of the friends and you mm-hmm. know, who's going to be going. It seems like a lot of people will be going, which is great. But yeah, unfortunately with, you know, the Delta and everything happening, it's, it's a little scary, you know, yeah. even if you're vaccinated. It's something you always have to take, you know, into consideration, even if you're vaccinated. At um, For FC, what we're planning on doing is a little bit of a different setup than we normally do. Because usually you get the, you pick your pen, you sit with us, and we do the whole tuning and ink, in, uh, ink the pen and you get to try it. But we are trying to limit the amount of people we have right in front of us. So what we're going to do is, um, if you purchase a pen... Then we're going to work on it, but we're not going to have seats in front of us. So okay. we're still going to clean and tune the pens. We're not going to ink it, but, you know, you can ink it in the lobby or at your seat or in your room anywhere. And if it needs any adjusting, we'll be there. We'll, you know, tune it as you need. But we're just not going to have the people sitting in front of us just for the safety of you and me. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I, I the timing was perfect for getting you on and being able to talk about this because I, I do know, like you said, I think a lot of people are planning on attending. And just trying to, and vendors trying to find out what's going to work best for them and for the customer. It's really just 
up in the air, what's the best thing to do, you know? Right. There's no right right or wrong answer, you know? Yeah, and luckily, in general, the fountain pen customer and fans and users and vendors generally ha- are pretty much on their best behavior. Yeah, and definitely. are reasonable with expectations. Yeah. So um, let's just all focus on carrying that on and, into DC. And Raleigh, this, yeah, that's how we had it in Raleigh. Mm-hmm. Nobody had an issue with it. Everyone was very understanding. So I don't think it's going to be an issue. And yeah. it's just everyone needs to be a little bit more accommodating, unfortunately, as we have a you know a new way until hopefully things get a little bit better so but yeah we're gonna have dc we're i'm still um getting things ready finishing up nibs and everything but mm-hmm. i'll start packing up this next week and it's too bad you're not going i want to i, I haven't seen you and <sighs> i probably won't see you this year you're not going to any shows right yeah, you said? not this year it doesn't look like yeah and oh my gosh it's gonna be like years i know because because we always, I mean, we usually see each other several times oh, a year. Oh, like, definitely. Because we're in the same general area. So we're always hitting like Baltimore, D.C., Raleigh, Atlanta. Exactly. You know, yep. we went to Philly this year. Then we'll head over to San Francisco. Like, I see you. It's like, oh, hey, Audrey. Hey. I'm going to see you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and I miss that. Like, I miss that I, a lot. I do. And I miss it so much. I hope D.C. goes well. Uh, like I said, I'm anxious to, to see what's going on. I haven't. Yeah. Based on my schedule, I haven't totally ruled out Chicago, but that would be okay. like the only chance I would get to yeah. go this year until hopefully we're good to go in Philly and then uh, next year. So yeah. we'll see how it goes. But uh, I'm anxious. You know, I'll, I'll definitely want to hear from you how it goes um, when you get back. Oh, for sure. And Mike will be doing his live stream. So if you want to see what the DC show is going to look like, um, I think he's going to be doing his live stream on his Independence channel on YouTube at 3.30 instead of 5, because I think the on show Friday, closes right? at 5. Um, yeah, on Friday. And so 3.30 instead of 5 o'clock, because the show closes at 5. Okay, I'm going to put a link see... in the show notes to, oh, to my well, channel. You. And I'm putting down the date here. All right, So if cool. you've never been to a pen show, you get to see, you know, what one is sort of like. Yeah, he does a good job walking around and kind of explaining everything and talking to yeah, people. Yeah, he does. He does, does a lot, lot of show and tell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's really good at that. Mm-hmm. Does Franklin Kristoff have a show calendar for the rest of the year, just for people who might be interested? Yeah. So next, this coming week is going to be DC, and then we're scheduled to go to San Francisco mm-hmm. here later in August, and then our final show will be Chicago. I think it's the first and second, or like the first week uh, weekend of October. Okay. Yeah, I think so. I think and then so. that's it. Okay. Cool. Last thing on pin shows, I'm just curious. Yeah. Uh-huh. In the past, what has been your favorite show to attend? It's it really sort of depends as a vendor and as an attendee. True, true. It can be a little <laughs> bit different. Yeah. Um, but generally speaking, this is gonna sound really silly, but probably my favorite show is probably Chicago. Okay. And you're going to think the reasons are sort of silly, maybe. But, well, one is there's an atrium, and mm-hmm. FC is in the atrium area. So there's lots of plants and natural lighting, which is the exact opposite of what we, we get <laughs> at every other show. So it's a nice change, you know? And then the other reason why I like it is because it's in walking distance of a Target and an Ulta store <laughs> <laughs> and restaurants. There's a bunch of yes. restaurants that you can walk to. So... If I 
if I want to pick up some snacks and some drinks, I can go over to Target and pick that up. And I don't have to have a vehicle there or anything. It's not a big deal. Or if I want to go out for dinner, I don't have to just get what's room service. Or I don't have to call an Uber or find somebody else that has a vehicle. I can just walk over there. It's just so convenient. Yeah, I I don't disagree with any of that. I think it's it's funny because it's... The, the knock on the Chicago pin show is that it's not in Chicago. but It's the, not in Chicago. It's the, way far away. Yeah. The pro of the Chicago pin show is that if you work, if you're like working the show like you. Yeah. It is super convenient to have it like is. good things outside of the hotel. So, yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's good. It's good. All right. I want to get into some personal things with Ooh. you. Not in oh, okay. that <laughs> kind of way, but in oh, the, in the well, pin okay. kind of way. I need okay. to know. Okay. I need yep. to know like. The things you use, like you work for Franklin Kristoff, is every yep. pen you use a Franklin Kristoff pen? What's your favorite Franklin Kristoff model? Oh. I'm gonna I'm gonna pin you down with for that at least. Okay, okay. So I I still use Franklin Kristoff pens. You know, all my tester pens and everything I use are FC, mm-hmm. but it's not exclusive. I'm I'm a pen fan first and foremost, so right. I appreciate a good pen. It doesn't matter if it's my company or another company that, you know, right. I I like a good pen. My favorite FC, it has changed, actually. When I first started purchasing FC, I my favorite model was the O2. Yep. And that's polarizing. That's People, my current it's favorite. Those, it's my favorite. Is it? yeah. Oh! It's, Number one. People that don't like it is there it's just too they don't like the taper it's weird it's weird looking yeah but the reason why i love it is because of what that taper does it allows yep. for a deep seated posting and i used to be a really big poster i always put him in the cap on the end of my pen when i'm writing and so it had such a nice balance when it was posted that way and i still do post i don't post as often anymore just because I'm used to like just setting the cap down and or just keeping in my hand. So over time and with new models coming out, you know, at FC, I would say my favorite is probably a 46 now. It's a nice size and it there's not as many parts. I mean, the only problem I have with the 40, I wish it could be clipped, but it's not. Mm-hmm. So that's still the thing about the O2 that's still... That's still number two, but I'd say the 46 is not my favorite. Gotcha. So the 46, so I've had a 45. The 46 yeah. is basically so the like the larger. Version, lo- larger. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. It's just a great classic style, good functionality, exactly. good yeah. fit. So O2 is my favorite. And then yeah. uh, Pocket 66 would be Which my favorite. Which you've had one. a Panatic pen that was the O2. We've, was the first one? The first one was the O2, and the second one yeah, was the 66. I and I probably need to do another batch of each of those. Uh, yeah. Just because it's been a while, um, but yeah, and t- still my favorite. Like I, I've you know I've tried the the forty fives, which I like, and the thirty ones, which I like, but I always go back yeah. and the twenties. Um, oh, the that twenty, I like. yeah, that's um, another one up there too. Yeah, yeah, the hmm. the big one and the small one, the pocket one. So the pocket, yeah, um, yeah, it's you make a lot of good pins. Do if you bring uh-huh. in what what other pins are you? What non FC pins are you using? So I tend to collect sailor pins. Mm-hmm. Um, I collect a lot of the Japanese only special editions that they have. Um, I have a few of the the vegetable series from the Kingdom Notes, some of the Bungu Box pens. I've gotten a few of those. So yeah, I collect a lot of sailors. Um, unfortunately, unfortunately, at the same <laughs> time, 
Um, so I do that, but I have a bunch of other pens that, you know, I enjoy from from smaller brands to Jonathan Brooks, Carolina Pen Company, Ian Schoen, Schoen Design. I own, own lots of their pens to things like Pilot. I love the 74. Mm-hmm. And I mean, just there's so many pens that I, I have. And luckily, what's my husband's, what's my is mine and what's mine is his. Wow. So he collects different things than I do. So we have a wide variety. Like one thing that he collects is Rotring cores. Oh yeah. I have been the recipient of one of his cores. Oh, you're welcome. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks for that. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, there are certain aesthetic. Yes. And it is another polarizing pen, but yeah, he really likes those. And I think he likes interesting designs more than i i'm more of a i guess a traditional in terms of the shape and size of yeah. things he also loves the diplomat arrow which well i'm a fan that there, zeppelin yeah. look yeah so, so if, if you bring in let's say uh your your sailor one of your your yeah. vegetable pins i don't know if you have like carrot or which ones you have i have the carrot yeah so I do if have you bring bring the carrot into work and mm-hmm. mr franklin uh, I'm going to call him Mr. just because he has a lot of gray hair now. You can tell him I said uh, that. Yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> um, I'm going to tell him you said that. Uh, you should. And so if Scott sees that pin there, what does he, mm-hmm. does he have any commentary? Like, get that, get that mess out of here. He, he jokes about it. He'll yeah. go, get that contraband out of here. <laughs> and, you know, he'll, I'll have another pen, like multiple pens at pen shows that are just sitting in front of me. Mm-hmm. And I use whatever is closest to me at that time. And so he'll sit there and look and see what I have. And then he'll be like, get that out of here. He always makes sure somebody's around to hear him when he says, oh, get that out. But no, he he is really into pencils. So okay. it's not like we're exclusively found pens all the time. Exactly. But, you know, we're all fans of pens, period. And he does like to give. Give me a hard time sometimes about it, but all in jest. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So I'm going to ask you this last question, kind of in jest, sure. but I'm actually deadly serious okay. about it, and we're going to bring it all yeah. the back, all the way back to the beginning. And this is this is okay. the way I worded it. So we'll see if I worded this correctly. Does the pen and ink match the nails, or do the nails match the pen and ink? So what what is the primary? Matchy matchy object, or is is are are you matching those things? I am weirdly enough a not matching person at all. I so it's not like it has to clash. I think things go well together. So I like something to coordinate Mm -hmm. without match. Okay. So my toes and my fingernails never match. Like people often use the same color. No, I use whatever I feel like. In terms of an ink and a pen, I don't match them, but I think it has to it has to be the right shade or certain tone for a pen, but doesn't necessarily have to match. Gotcha. Gotcha. Have you what ever about you? Yeah. Um, I mean, my pen and ink has to be matchy matchy. It doesn't it's a match. Ha- yeah. It doesn't have to be. We're generally yeah. starting there. And yeah. I don't mean yeah. The, the, yeah. the first fill is going to be something that yeah. yeah yeah like we're going to start like this ink belongs in this pen because of how it looks kind of thing yeah it's pretty mm-hmm. much where I'm going to start and then we'll go okay yeah that was cool like I I've I've done that now we can do something different but I'll I'll generally have some if not a a direct match something you know very complimentary kind of thing when you so. purchase a pen are you already thinking what do i have that would match this best 
no, because unfortunately I have way too many inks already, so I know I'm covered. Or you if don't I'm... have the fountain pen companion, where it's the, the <laughs> list do. online. I do. I haven't been. Uh, I haven't been building up? my. Yeah, I don't keep up. Yeah. I, I love it though. I love it though. Or but if I'm at a pen show, I'll just buy a mm-hmm. new ink for it because I yeah, mean, of course yeah, that, you that's what you have ink. to do. But then, like, we're pretty much doing like matchy matchy type of situation. So mm-hmm. yeah, Audrey, I think we've spawned like three separate podcasts just from (laughs) this show on all the questions I want to ask you. Uh, I really, really appreciate you taking the time to do this. I just, uh, I love seeing what you're doing and how successful you've been. And and I miss you. I miss being able to see you at shows. I I miss you too. And I'm super glad to call you a friend and I can't wait to, to get back out there and see you soon. I'm friends with the famous Brad Dowdy. Oh my gosh. You haven't heard that from me in so long. (laughs) (laughs) Watch out for that guy. (laughs) He's a trickster. (laughs) All right. Well, good luck in D.C. this weekend. And I I get to say that because this episode will actually be uh, released before you hit the road. So uh, everyone everyone listen up on your way to to D.C. And then when you're at D.C., swing by the uh, Franklin Kristoff table. Yeah, Um, say a quick hello. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be able to give you a hug like I probably yeah, want to, yeah. but I'll give you a nice hello. I don't know if this is anyway. beneficial or even if you'd be able to say, do you know where you're uh-huh. at in D.C.? Like if like your table, like what people, like, um, number one, do you I'm know? Not, sh- so the good thing is there's going to be an interactive map that will show yes. all the different tables. I don't 100% remember the name of it off the top of my head. Yep. I'll get you the link, though. I have it in my, to- I have it uh, from Alexander. I will oh, be adding perfect. it to the show notes. Yes. So I don't know if it's changed from years previous, but we have in the past been in the back right-hand corner. Okay. Um. So that's usually we get put in the corner pretty often. So I'm, I'm used to that. But yeah, I <laughs> believe if you go in the main entrance, it's going to be in the back uh, right corner of the, of okay. the place. So. Cool. Well, good luck. Good luck with the travels. Good luck with the show. Thank you uh, so much, Brad. And thank you so much for having me. It was such a fun time. I'm so glad I can chat with you. And if you have any questions, just hit me up and I'll be happy to answer them. Absolutely. Will do. And uh, be good. I will talk to you later. Bye. Bye.